Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Welcome to Money and Me. Internet giant sees stock plunge by the most on record in the U.S. after India banned its game Free Fire on security concerns. Uh, sees game falling under the umbrella of some 54 gaming apps that India says are of Chinese origin. So we're going to take a look today at the geopolitical fault lines of C that may be worth noting for investors. And then we take a look at the price of Oil, oil markets are tightening, say some, and the rise of the oil prices, the reasons go beyond the potential Russian conflict with Ukraine. So we'll ask, is the oil story more about fundamentals than geopolitical tailwinds? And next, we'll explore inflation. Is it extending its hold on the U.S. economy? And uh, what would rising oil prices and inflation mean for businesses? And finally, we'll end with uh, a look at Roblox. We were talking about about it yesterday. A gaming platform, cool for kids, because instead of just gaming as a child, you get to develop a game. So it's been around for 15 years, it's got a strong player base of some 50 million users, but its shares nosedived after disappointing quarterly earnings. So a closer look at Roblox and investing in the metaverse. That's all still to come. First up, let's welcome Arun Pai, Chief Strategy Officer at Flow. Good morning, Arun. Good morning, Michelle. Good to have you with us. Let's start with your dissection or your thoughts on C. Um, C went public back in 2017. A little bit of background for the listeners. Founded in Singapore by Chinese-born founders who became Singaporean citizens. And they've been focusing on building an e-commerce and gaming business globally with early backing from Tencent, who was the largest shareholder of the company. C has lost more than $16 billion of value. Its biggest daily market drop after India abruptly banned its most popular gaming title. Now, investors are growing concerned that the ban may be just the start of the company's troubles. Let's unravel this a little. Why has India's ban of C's game, Free Fire, the app, why has it wiped $16 billion from the company? Right. So, uh, I mean, C is basically a conglomerate now, right, which has two major components, I would say. Uh, First and foremost is this game or the gaming vertical. Uh, Shopee falls under C also. So, you know, the big e-commerce Amazon competitor in Southeast Asia. And now they're coming up with like C money and they're going into the financial side of things. uh, Primarily to try to make the commerce side of the e-commerce vertical uh, profitable. But originally, the whole growth story and the cash cow on the back of, you know, C is this game, Free Fire. It was not just a massive cash cow, it was growing like crazy. I mean, uh, talking to some of my more hardcore gaming friends, absolutely love the game. They believe, you know, the UX, UI, the gameplay, everything about this is just absolutely fantastic, right? So mm-hmm. you had a stock that was, uh, as you mentioned, IPO'd around 2017, trudging around anywhere between 10 to $20. Over the past two years, right around when COVID uh, picked up, it went all the way from like $25, $30, give or take, all the way up to $350 a share, so like a 10x increase, thereby leading uh, the founder, if I'm not mistaken, to be Singapore's richest person, 
for a certain period of time. Now, of course, the share price has crashed from 350 all the way down to $140, give or take, uh, where it ended last night. So, and, and that stemmed from a, you know, was this aspect of the great shoppy growth a bit overstretched in terms of valuation? And of course, the news that hit the market uh, day before yesterday, where given this whole geopolitical fallout, the true cash cow behind C, the vertical that basically funds all the capital so that senior management over there can basically transition it into expansion of their e-commerce side. And currently the financial vertical also being a loss-making one, they can channel some money over there in the interest of growth. When that cash cow, which was going to, and there was a lot of hope that, uh, you know, this was catching on very quickly in India. There was going to be a huge user base as expected. Uh, the whole e-gaming concept is coming up a lot stronger over there. That's suddenly been nipped in the bud. But now there's a couple of problems. Firstly, growth of the gaming vertical itself has been slashed. The cash cow that could be derived from that vertical to pump into other verticals, even that spigot has gone dry. And hence the big correction in the share price over the last couple of days. But this has been a while coming, right? I mean, even if you look at from October, November of last year, that's when the share price was at over $350 there's already been a pretty big correction along the lines of all these really high-paced, fast-growing stocks that were trading at potentially well above their quote-unquote fundamental value. They all all, have all started to come back down to earth to some extent. How big, though, is India's with removal of its users of this game likely to hurt this, uh, this sector, as you say, this cash cow? India makes up about 10% of Garena's monthly active users. Garena produced the marquee game Free Fire. So, you know, to what extent is this a knee-jerk reaction to India removing the game from its user base? I I mean, you're spot-on correct. And at present, the amount of revenue being derived from the country was like in single-digit percentage terms, right? Give or take. The problem is the share price had baked in a lot of expected growth in the future. Mm. So it was not, I mean, from a traditional business valuation perspective, it was, okay, as and when the company keeps expanding and keeps realizing its dreams or potential growth, as and when the share price will keep appreciating. But what kind of happened over the past couple of years, I mean, we can talk about the Fed low interest rates, a lot more retail people coming into the market, into the equity market, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But it just goes to show that the share price had basically run up to a point where there was already the expectation that over the next couple of years, the growth in India is going to be the baseline will be whatever, 20, 30, 40% compounded growth year on year. But And when that thing immediately got shut overnight, mm-hmm. immediately there, was, there had to be a huge correction in the underlying share price. So mm-hmm. the fundamental problem was not that, you know, at present state, it's a single-digit percentage revenue source. Mm -hmm. The problem was the expectation, the price that had been baked in was already a lot of growth in the future. And that hope has been dashed to the ground right now. So India has banned hundreds of Chinese apps over the past two years, and it's expanded its policy now to see, right? Seemingly taking its management by surprise. What do you think are the geopolitical fault lines here that people have to maybe understand? The startup was founded, C was founded by Forrest Lee, born in China, now a Singaporean. The biggest shareholder is Tencent Holdings, the Chinese social media giant. It's extremely difficult, Michelle. There sadly really is no answer to this, right? Because you look at 
verticals like uh, esports. You look at verticals like education, hmm. uh, tuition. All of these things that are you know mainstay sectors or industries in the world currently, mm-hmm. and just overnight because of a certain ruling. I, I mean, we talked about the education companies uh, that are publicly traded in the U.S. from China, right? Overnight, uh, China government just banned that for-profit is not possible in this space, and the share prices dropped 90%. From a perspective of valuation, from a perspective of future growth, from a perspective of it actually, to some extent, doing you know a, a good deed to society by educating people, does it become a little bit over-competitive? Potentially, yes. Is more money being spent on it than what is required, given the Asian uh, school of thought that you know education is the number one priority for all children? Yes. But at the same time, in one stroke, just completely eliminating an industry, it becomes extremely difficult and nerve-wracking for investors to get into this space. And this, and you know, it's very easy to say in hindsight, oh yeah, of course, you're right. Like esports is not great for the uh, the upcoming future of society, hence it should be restricted extensively. Mm. Uh, easier said than done, right? And you're, you're talking about like overnight moves of 25%, 80%, 90% in some cases. There really is no answer to that. The only thing that I can try to, you know, go back down to and think of it as the North Star is look at verticals that, uh, especially given uh, the CCP in China, like their uh, vision of how they envision uh, society to be hmm. China U.S. Uh, China U.S. conflict, India China conflict uh, across the board. It's very important to try to figure out businesses that have a very strong captive local market. Hmm. So you know Chinese hmm. companies that have a very strong local China market, as well as the U.S. also, and then try to also go into industries that are very much along the lines of what. Uh, the respective government want, which makes it a little bit more complicated in the U.S. given you look at renewables right now under the Biden administration, completely different story from what happened in the Trump era, and who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of years either, right? But in China, at least, for Asian stocks, Mm -hmm. uh, or primarily China stocks, I should say, there's potentially a little bit more long-term stability uh, in who's going to be ruling the government. And from that regard, trying to analyze and dissect what the government wants and try to like go along those industries, mm-hmm. I think is something that investors in this day and age, given this massive geopolitical fallout that we've seen in the last couple of months or a year, they have, they have to abide by it. There's no other choice. So some investors worry that India could potentially also ban Shopee, and that would be the second pillar of C's business in India. Um, some other investors are, are jumping in on C. So we're always trying to parse investors' reasoning. Kathy Wood uh, sees the moment. Wood's ARK investors bought 150,000 shares of C worth about $20 million on Monday, right after the share plunge. So... Uh, what do you? What can you read about what Woods is assessing in terms of C's growth prospects? I mean, the way she's been doing investing and extremely successfully excluding the last six months uh, for the past two three years has been a, like a very much so a growth oriented investor, right? If I like a name stock that's been running up momentum trading, I'm just going to latch onto it and let that position run for a while which worked out really well right after the COVID pandemic started in March uh, 2020, 
all the way up to October, November of last year, right? Give or take. So from that aspect, every investor who goes into the market always thinks, you know, there's going to be a lot of future growth potential in the business, or it's a good dividend play or a good value play. So from that perspective, it's difficult to gauge which growth metrics she's looking at specifically for C. I think the India story is definitely going to be a very tough one for any Chinese company, right? I wouldn't be surprised if Shopee's uh, cancelled, and because India has a lot of uh, locally domestic e-commerce uh, aggregators and platforms, mm. as well as American ones, right? So there's no dearth of competition there anyway. So is it really affecting the local Indian diaspora or the population if they're going to be cancelling Shopee? Not particularly, to be honest. So I, I, I can easily envision a scenario where that plays out over the next three, six months. But C is not just resting its laurels only on India, right? It's gone into massively into Latin America. It's C money, I think, could be a very interesting vertical if they can pull off truly monetizing their massive ecosystem of merchants, buyers, uh, like the entire ecosystem, right? So mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense for them to go into finance. And I think that's going to be one of the uh, metrics that I would be at least looking at to see if they can set up C money. They've acquired a bank in Indonesia. They're looking to expand in the financial vertical a lot better. Coming coming up against huge competition, don't take me wrong, you have Grab and the likes also. Mm-hmm. But if he can pull that off to some extent, or at least if I could see some green shoots of that vertical doing well, I think give or take at these price levels, it would be uh, interesting uh, stock to buy, to be honest. Interesting perspectives there. Arun Pai is Chief Strategy Officer at Flow, and you are listening to Money and Me. This segment is brought to you by Raffles Health Insurance. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin, and he's Arun Pai, Chief Strategy Officer at Flow. You're listening to Money and Me. So Russia's aggressive posture towards Ukraine has really dominated oil markets for a couple of weeks. Oil prices we saw rose yesterday, um, about a percent as investors try to make sense of conflicting statements about the possible withdrawal of some Russian troops from around Ukraine, you know, was there really a a withdrawal to barracks or not? There have been reports that the price of oil could vault to $150 a barrel this year. Uh, John Driscoll, director of JTD Energy Services, speaking to CNBC, said, we're running low on physical oil, we're running short on supply, there is a scenario we could vault past $120, even as high as $150 a barrel. Help us understand oil markets um, and and what your expectations are for um, the markets in 2022? I mean, I'm not exactly sure about what specific price it'll end up in, but Mm -hmm. from the aspect of the industry having a huge lack of capital being pumped into it over the past, you know, five years, give or take, especially on the back of this ESG norms uh, and all of that other stuff, is there a possibility that they can see a huge oil spike in the coming near future? Absolutely. I, I think, I mean, and with all respect to ESG investing, impact investing, etc., at the end of the day, if there is no other alternative and, you know, most of transportation, uh, manufacturing, uh, plastics, goods, etc., is still reliant on oil, I think we might have 
you know, stepped a little bit too quickly into thinking that the world can be converted into beautiful carbon neutral, uh, clean energy uh, method of producing electricity and producing energy, I should say, much quicker than what's actually happening in reality, right? I mean, you look at the electric vehicle boom, fantastic. But at the end of the day, what's powering most of the cities in the world, what's powering that electricity? It still comes back down to oil to some extent. So we have this situation where a lot of woke people in this world are like kind of forced the Black Rocks, Vanguard, et cetera, of the world to try to ensure that, com- that companies are going down the path of being carbon neutral and everything. And that's a fantastic initiative, right? Don't take me wrong, that's the right thing to do. But because of that, with the huge lack of capital expenditure in the oil and gas space, coupled with COVID over the past couple of years when demand, you know, basically completely plummeted off a cliff, now that the economies are reopening up, travel is started and all of that other stuff, it's leading to kind of a crunch of uh, supply. Right. And when that happens and your demand has been spiking up continuously, uh, supply is not being able to keep pace because capital was not put into, be it the wells or some extent, the geopolitical issues of uh, OPEC to ensure that their government bits can be managed a little bit better, given the huge losses they were incurring the last couple of years. And they're only increasing supply by very small, minute amounts than this Ukraine saga. It's leading to, and it's already led to, oil coming up close to $100, at least in the case of Brent. But, uh, you know, another 30, 40% from here, I personally would not be 